0: That's why the younger you
1: are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. and We want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So if you've been visiting the site for the past few years, you're probably familiar with the company called Huckberry. It's an online e-commerce store company that sells products and gears directed towards men who happen to like doing sort of outdoor adventure stuff. We do a weekly giveaway with them. We do a curated shop with them at the holidays and at Father's Day. We're an affiliate of them. We're you know we're business partners of them. So anytime you make a purchase through our Huckberry link, and you know, we make a small percentage from that, and that helps support the website and everything that goes along with it. Anyways, I wanted to bring on the two co-founders of Huckberry to share their story of how they started Huckberry because it's a really it's a really cool story of a successful bootstrap startup. Andy Forch, Richard Greiner. They started Huckberry when they were relatively young, mid twenties, out of their apartment. And now it's grown into this large business in about four or five years where they have an office and a warehouse and they're employing over a dozen different people to do their job to fulfill their their sales. So I want to get them on to share their story of how they started a successful business because I know a lot of you listening to the podcast are wanting to do that, become entrepreneurs, start your own business. So I wanted to have Andy and Richard share their story And their insights and their mistakes they made along the way so you can get something from it. Also, I wanted to get their insights about something. I I get stuff sent to me all the time from brands and people who are wanting to start some sort of male lifestyle product, brand, or whatever. And Huckberry gets that 100 times more. And I wanted to get Richard and Andy's insight on what separates the winners and losers from companies or brands wanting to sell a product that's directed towards men. So if you've had sort of an idea kicking around of starting a men's lifestyle product brand or whatever, uh, you'll want to listen to this because you'll get some really good insights, I think, from some people who know firsthand on on what, what makes a successful, uh, a successful brand or product. Anyways, uh, it's really fascinating. It's, it's all about entrepreneurship, all about being starting a successful business. I think if that's something you want to do, you're going to get a lot out of this podcast. So let's do this. All right, Richard and Andy, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Brett. Uh, pleasure to be with you, bud. Likewise. Thanks, Brett.
1: All right, just so we know who I'm talking to, uh, can you be like, hey, this is Andy, and or hey, this is Richard? Uh,
2: so so this is Andy, and uh, Richard has the, the radio voice, so there's really no mistaking the uh, the two of us. Yeah, hey, Brad,
0: Richard here, and um, I'd say Andy has the, the TV anchor face, so...
1: <laughs> All right, so you guys are the founders of Huckberry, and uh, if you have been reading the site for a few years, you guys know who Huckberry is. We do a giveaway with them every week. Uh, We've been a partner with them for a a while back. So I'm really excited to have you guys on the show to talk about uh, how Huckberry started, talk about being entrepreneurs, talk about the war stories of starting your own business uh, in the men's lifestyle uh, genre. And uh, maybe get some cool insights about this really cool company that you guys started. Yeah, absolutely. Let's yeah. do it. All right, so let's get a little background on you because you guys are you guys are young guys, uh, relatively speaking. Um, what did you guys do before Huckberry? How old are you? Uh, why did you start Huckberry?
0: Uh, yeah, Brett uh, Richard here. Um, so I was just telling somebody the story uh, about this earlier today, and. You know, Andy and I followed very identical life paths. Um, we both went to school on the East Coast. I went to Villanova. Andy went to UVA. We both graduated in 2007 and were sort of funneled to New York City um, as we were both working in finance at that time, um, which at that point in time was you know, sort of still the hot thing to work in. Um, I actually got transferred out to San Francisco um, in, I think march of 2008 and andy got transferred out here in, in august of 2008 and didn't know each other same exact path and and, and met at a, a mutual friends party out here and just sort of became became good friends and um you know we're, we were active and outdoorsy and you know we um you know we're on a ski trip one time and you start throwing out throwing around ideas with your buddies and you know you, you've done it a hundred times and you never think one of these will take hold and one of those ideas sort of took, took hold and, um, you know, I can let Andy kind of dive in a a little bit more of the specifics here, but it was just one of those things where, you know, you're, you're, you're messing around, you've had some drinks one night and the next thing, you know, uh, you're quitting your jobs to, 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 to sort of dive in head first. Yeah. And, and, you know,
2: just piggyback on that, Brett, uh, it's Andy speaking. Um, one of the funny things that Rich and I figured out after the fact is, uh, when I moved to San Francisco, we lived on the same block. And before we met at a, uh, a party that one of our buddies hosted, I think it was around like Great White Sharks. He was like a Great White Shark photographer hosted a party. Uh, that was when Rich and I met. Um, we found out that we actually lived on the same block in New York uh, and didn't know each other. So, I mean, we, we literally, pretty ha- you know, we had pretty identical pasts just uh, all the way through starting Huckberry and then. You know, now I like to joke, I'm, I'm basically, I have two marriages, uh, married to my wife and, and married to Richard. So uh, <laughs> life has converged even more.
1: Do you guys argue like you're married?
2: Yeah. At times. <laughs> and, and you know, honestly, like, I think just like you learn in marriage, like learning how to resolve, uh, you know, resolve problems and, and how do you speak to each other and how do you reinforce each other? Like it's just as important uh, in, in a business partnership as it is in a marriage.
1: So yeah, okay. So you guys were in finance. Uh, how old were you at the time, right before you guys started doing the Huckberry thing?
2: I, I think we were twenty five, twenty six. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. We, we we were pretty young. Um, we, we had both been analysts uh, at investment banks, and you know, after you sort of do your three years, which which feel like dog years, um, you know, you, you have to figure out do you want to sort of stay in the game and and, you know, grind it out and, and build a career or not. And, you know, San Francisco is just so different from New York. Um, I, I was staying in corporate housing, um, in, in sort of the same corporate housing where a lot of the Y Combinator guys were like the the first class or two. So I think founder of Dropbox was in there, uh, a bunch of other guys and, you know, the, the whole, the spirit of San Francisco is all around entrepreneurship and, you know, being sort of the, the finance guy or, uh, you know, I'll take a shot at you, Brett. You know, the lawyer guy. Um, you, you know, you're sort of the uh, the, the butt of, of many different uh, of many jokes, and and you know, everyone celebrates entrepreneurship. So for us, we kind of had to make a decision. Um, you know, a, as far as kind of what path to go down, and it just made it that much easier being out here because uh, everyone, you know, all our friends were kind of supporting it. I think if we were still in New York and and you know had had come up with an idea to start. Uh, a business in an industry uh, we had absolutely, you know, no experience in. Um, you know, we probably would have been, you know, laughed out of the room. But I, I think here, you know, San Francisco, they they uh, sort of support that.
1: Yeah. All right. So uh, you guys started talking. You guys met at a party. Started talking. Then you became friends. Um, kind of shared the common interest in outdoors stuff. Uh, so. How did I mean, where did the idea of Huckberry come from? I mean, how did you guys generate this idea of we're gonna create this? Well, before we get there, for those who aren't familiar with Huckberry, can you kind of just give the the elevator pitch of what Huckberry is? Because sometimes it's like it's hard to explain like when people ask me like what's Huckberry? I'm like,, "Uh, it's kind of hard to explain to folks if unless they see
2: yeah it. yeah, it, it uh it, it is you know hard to explain. I think, um you know, at our core, we're an online shop and journal for guys. Um you know, the way I like to sort of explain it is, uh, you know, we're out there trying to find the next Patagonia before it's Patagonia. Um, you know, th- these really cool emerging brands that are doing great things. They're, they're doing it the right way. Um, you know, they're, they're creating great products. Uh, you know, as much as possible, we love brands where uh, you know, they make their product here in the US. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the kind of what it all boils down to. I think the thing that, you know, R- Rich and I, Use to kind of uh, you know steer the ship here is is sort of our unofficial mission statement, which we should probably put our heads together, and make it official at some point, or put a little more thought into it. But it's basically to inspire more active, adventurous, and stylish lives, and and to do that through content and commerce.
1: Awesome. Uh, so you guys are sort of like curators in a lot in a sense.
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and I think you know for us like the the real. Uh, you know the real value that we provide with these brands is just being storytellers. You know they have such great story te- they have such great stories to tell, it makes our life really easy and just um, you know giving them uh, sort of more reach across the country. And, and that's sort of the, the, the genesis of Huckberry in many ways was that we saw you know all these really cool brands that had like cult followings in like San Francisco or New York uh, or, or in the Midwest. Um, and, you know, they're just making great product and they just really didn't have sort of distribution. Um, and, and so we kind of saw the opportunity to, to get in there and, you know, highlight a lot of these brands and, and show our East coast friends, you know, what everyone's doing on the, on the, uh, on the West coast and, you know, rich is from the Midwest. And so he, you know, he knew about a bunch of brands and was kind of plugged in there. Um, so it really is at, at our core word discovery.
1: Very cool. Um, so you guys got this idea, you saw a need for uh, curation or helping people get the word out about these really cool brands. How long did it take to take that idea and turn it into an actual business?
0: Um, it's a good question. We, ultimately, from sort of date, we quit our jobs and were able to fully commit to the idea until Huckberry was live, was you know five or six months all in. Um, I think we had figured out the general sort of business plan and route we were going to take you know, in a couple of months. And then from there, it was sort of technical, building the website, figuring out um, you know, all the logistics behind running an e-commerce business and that sort of thing that, that was um, part of the, the reason it took us six months instead of two or three. Um, you know, and that was you know called a little over four years ago. So it, it's it's interesting. The world's become much much sort of simpler to get a, to start a brand or an e-commerce site. So you know, I, th- I think realistically, you could probably be you know three or four months. Uh, it took us six, and that's partially because of when we started, it and then also having you know pretty much zero technical knowledge and just figuring out things as we go along. Um, so six months all in for us, but you could probably do it last.
1: All right. So you guys actually quit your jobs before you started getting into this heavy. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to go
2: all in. Um, you know, I, I think some people can kind of do it on the, on the side, but, you know, you, you get to that point where you kind of have to, you know, burn the boats on the beach, so to speak. And, and, you know, just, just sort of dive all in, especially for something as involved as, you know, an e-commerce site um, and particularly our model, which, you know, our model isn't, you know, make a shirt and sell it and, and just put another, you know, order for that shirt and, and you know, sell the next batch. Like, you know, it, the Huckberry site refreshes, you know, multiple times during the week and it's just so involved that there is just no way we could have, you know, um, you know, moonlighted, moonlighted the project.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, okay, did you guys have any experience in retail before this, or did you have to, like, sort of learn on the fly? We learned
0: 100% on the fly. <laughs> wow. So it, I think this sort of taking a quick step back, one of the sort of genesis is um, on the customer or user side is, is um, that we didn't think that any commerce or shopping sites really spoke to us. Um, very often, you know, the shop shopping sites are going to be for really high end, you know, five thousand dollars suit type people, or uh, sort of the, the the really high end outdoor performance. I'm climbing Mount Everest and s- sort of super technical. And you know, Andy and I were sort of the the, the the everyday guys, the guys in the middle that just weren't being sort of weren't being properly served and weren't being sort of spoken to from from the commerce side. Um, so you know that was really um, sort of a, a, a big part of it for us. And, and and
2: you know, Brett, to kind of piggyback on that, um, you, you know, it, it's funny in that I, I think you know th- there are brands out there like Polar, which, which uh, I know you're familiar with, mm-hmm. who who basically sort of you know built their model around that. Like you know, um, most people like up until like kind of the Polar movement, I would sort of call it. You know, um, and there are a bunch of other brands like Polar now, but. Um, you know, it was all like Everest, this Everest, that, and like most guys were like, no, you know, I actually just want to like go into the backwoods and like go camping with my family this weekend or, or, you know, with my buddies. Um, and so we definitely saw kind of the convergence of, of what we call like urban and outdoor that, you know, there are these brands out there that were really tailored to guys who, you know, lived in the city or in the suburbs, but, you know, love the outdoors. And, uh, you know, a, a funny story that we always like tell is, is Rich went to, um, I think was it SIA or outdoor retailer? One of these big uh, outdoor trade shows, uh, trying to go, you know, sign up all these brands and kind of sell them on Huckberry. And he had no site. We, we, we didn't have a, a site that was live. <laughs> the only thing that we had was uh, I picked up a um, Photoshop for Dummies book and I made us uh, some pretty slick business cards. <laughs> uh, so he's he's walking around, you know, to all these like big brands like Patagonia and the North Face, you know, trying to get them signed up and, and just kind of getting laughed away. And, uh, the one sort of relationship, uh, should give you more credit. I'm sure you, uh, develop more relationships than just one, but the one that was sort of meaningful was, was Benji, the founder of Polar, um, who at that point didn't have any product, uh, on his side, he just had these heat bags. So, uh, I think Rich exchanged a heat bag for one of his slick, uh, business cards. Um, and, you know, just kind of, uh, had like a similar viewpoint and it's become one of our, you know, best relationships
1: that's awesome. So, okay, so it sounds like you learned Photoshop on your own cuz you guys do all the graphic stuff for our Huckberry things. And you- yeah. So
2: so you know the, the the genesis of it was, you know, Rich and I had this idea. We love gear, saw the opportunity. I had no experience in retail. Um, you know, obviously we're not, you know, technical uh uh founders either. And so we
0: partnered with um, Richard's yeah, childhood Childhood's friend's little brother, little who bro- was getting his um, <laughs> his computer science degree at Berkeley, at Berkeley, so yeah. he, he moon, moonlit with us and helped us sort of build out Huckleberry one get the site um, off the ground. And uh, the perspective that we took was, you know, let's get something, you know, p- nicely put together, but it's more important to get the site launched, get product out there, and start getting feedback from people. Uh, from people and from brands and s- suppliers um which I think is one really big really big key for um for startups and entrepreneurialism, which is um you know th- this this model that we live by and it's called uh, you always throw out your first pancake so 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 get get cooking yeah uh, and so it was really about getting a product out there, getting huckberry started and and then the feedback you get from your customers is. Infinitely more valuable than showing a website to your friends or to advisors and getting getting feedback from them. So it was really about let's get a let's get a pretty good product out there and get it launched, and then kind of refine from there.
2: Yes. And,
0: and uh, Brett, you know, you know
2: this like so. So Rich, Rich, and I kind of in our like finance group of friends we're sort of like you know one of the very few entrepreneurs. So we get every sort of I have an idea. Can I talk about it? Um, you know, email that's out there and, you know, many of them are sort of in business school and, um, you know, the real world, as we like to call it, is just so, so different from business school where, you know, you're in business school, you have an idea, um, you know, you, you basically, you pitch it to the class and you're, and it's sort of a safe place, right? Like you're pitching the business and, and you're in an environment where the teachers are being paid to listen to you and the students are being paid to provide, uh, you know, provide feedback. And then you get into the real world, and it's like I, I remember when we were sort of, uh, you know, pitching Huckberry to people. They just don't even respond to the email, mm-hmm. um, and so that really does show the importance of just like putting a product out there and letting letting people vote with their wallets. And and at some point, you know, you kind of have to stand on on your own two feet.
1: That's that's awesome. Uh, I love the the, the pancake. You, you throw out your first pancake. That's true. I throw, yeah. always throw out my first pancake. Um, and you guys, there's something I think I think a lot of people don't know as well is that you guys handle most of the shipping as well right yep yeah we
0: do which was it, it first started off as um you know annie and i shipping out of our apartments which was uh yeah. you know girlfriends and wives weren't <laughs> too happy about that one but <laughs> we basically had a schedule where we we knew the mail pickup was you know five five o'clock in the in the afternoon and at three o'clock pencils down everybody and we'd start packing boxes and run them over to the to the post office before it before it closed for the for the nightly shipment. Um, and it went from shipping you know five packages a day to ten packages a day, and now we're shipping you know sometimes thousands of packages a day.
1: That's crazy. And yeah. you guys have like I, I, I don't know, you guys have upgraded since I last saw you.
0: Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> but well, last time I was in San Francisco a few years ago, and I went yeah like a garage. It was yep. insane. It was just like packages are everywhere, and you had like a team who handles. And that's like, you know, if someone who's got, I'm just gotten started in e-commerce. I know like the shipping and fulfillment. That's like, that's really complex and complicated. A lot of people, when they get in, they want to start an online business where they're selling a product. They think that, oh, it's going to be easy, but it's, it's a lot more, it's, it's tricky. It's hard.
0: Yeah, it, it's very tricky. And that's, that's one of the things that's one of the, one of the biggest challenges to growing a, a larger e-commerce business is fi- or figuring those sort of operational and fulfillment, um, figuring out those problems. And, you know, you don't, you don't think about it, but once you go from shipping 10 packages a day to a hundred packages a day, your customer service inbounds will, will 10 X and you have to start figuring that out. And then, yeah, it it really becomes uh, quite challenging to figure out the logistics and operational side. Um, but it's something where, you know, if orders start coming in, you're you're gonna you're gonna figure it out. So, it's again, um, you know, learning sort of learning by fire and throwing out that pancake as you grow as you grow.
1: All right. So you guys, uh, you said you started four years ago. So it was like 2010. You guys officially went into business.
0: Uh, it was May 2011. May
1: 2011. Yeah, we we
0: quit our jobs in I think September or October of 10, and then. Launched the site April 2011.
1: Yeah, yeah. April 7th. All right, so it was just you two at the beginning, yep. uh, shipping stuff out of your apartments. Uh, how big is your team now? So
0: we've got, call it, um, about 16 of us in the office, maybe 17, depending on how you count part-time people, and then another dozen or so that are working in our warehouse. So. Close to close to thirty people between sort of you know full time and 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 part time and and then warehouse staff.
1: That's crazy. Well, that's amazing. That's phenomenal uh, that you guys have gotten so big so fast. All right, I I know early on, guys, that you didn't uh, take venture capital uh, to start your business, and I know you guys are in San Francisco. You're talking about the whole idea of you know entrepreneurship is really big in that area. And a big part of that culture is like everyone wants venture capital. everybody wants that money for their startup. Um, why didn't you why did you guys make that decision not to take venture capital?
2: I, you know I, I think Brett, I, 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 there's sort of a few things. when we were sort of uh, you know standing on the ledge of, of of whether to jump into this or not, I think one of the the sites and blogs we read a lot and that we really subscribed to was uh, thirty seven signals. And I guess their blog's called Signals Versus Noise. Uh, and and um, the founder, Jason Freed, uh, has since written a few books, um, Rework. I think there's like one or two others. And he's just a huge fan of of sort of bootstrapping your business. And, and you know, I think it was, it was sort of in our DNA in that, like, you know, we graduated from school, went into a white-collar job. But I think we have a pretty, like, blue-collar mentality when it comes down to it and that we both – both love getting our hands dirty and kind of rolling up our sleeves and, and, you know, picking up Photoshop for dummies that, you know, that's how we designed the site and, and just doing things really, really cheaply. Um, so I think, you know, that was sort of, and, and, you know, honestly, we were pretty lucky to choose a business model where, um, you know, we could sort of afford to do that. And that, you know, like if you're starting, um, you know, a button, a button down or, or you know, a button down t-shirt company, um, And, you know, your your sort of capital requirements are that, you know, you have to pay money six months before you can actually, you know, to to buy the fabric and get it, you know, cut and sewn. And then, you know, you you launch it to the public and, and, uh, you know, your your cash flow cycles, you're getting paid, you know, six months after you cut that first check. Uh, We were lucky in that, you know, starting in the beginning, um, it it was, you know, primarily sort of a pre-sale model with our customers. So it was a combination of, of, um, you know, wanting to kind of control our own destiny, which is what bootstrapping allows you to do, uh, choosing a business that sort of allowed us to bootstrap and that was bootstrap-friendly. Um, I think one of the things we say, you know, to every entrepreneur is, like, if you can, you know, if you can afford to bootstrap your business, um, absolutely do it. We're, we're huge fans of it. But we also recognize that it's, it's one, it's not for every model. It's not for every person. And, you know, they're absolutely... Um, you know some 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 trade offs, and that you know we we uh, definitely grow a lot slower than um, you know than, than we could, and you know part of that is just risk tolerance, but but also you know if we raise money, it would be uh, you know kind of pedal to the metal. Um, but I, I don't know. It's like I think in many ways, it's particularly early on. You're just trying to like. You know, find your niche and, and find your voice and, and find yourself and find the business. And I think it was nice not raising venture capital and sort of being forced to just grow like crazy when maybe you're not even growing the right business, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Texas Pete is the sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. Each Texas Pete sauce is packed with a bold, balanced flavor. The signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. Their hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and it's not for the faint of heart. They also got a flavor called Sabor by Texas Pete, adds authentic Mexican flavor, and they also have a dust-dry seasoning that matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub, but... The flavor that I've been enjoying lately is the chopped sriracha sauce. It's got chili, garlic, and some tropical tangy notes. It's really good. I love putting on my eggs. Texas Pete sauce like you mean it. Visit texaspeete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And you can use promo code podcast24 for 20% off at texaspeete.com. That's podcast twenty four for 20% off at texaspeat.com. Check out the Sriracha Cha Sauce. Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits started at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. Very interesting. And uh, do you guys still get approached? I'm sure you guys get approached by people who want uh, a stake in the business. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, it's so cool. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a really cool model you guys have going. Uh, but it's, it's great you've maintained that control um, and have grown at your own pace. Um, so you started in 2011. Uh, and at this time, there were sort of sites like yours that were popping up like these sort of curated membership deal sites where you know, you sign up and every week there's like a new lineup and you get, you know, some discounts. Um, like there's guilt and I forgot some of the other ones, Like they just all seem to pop up at the same time. And, uh, so how did you guys set yourself apart, uh, from the pack? And I think you've kind of re- you know, uh, referenced it a little bit in your conversation, but how did, what did you guys do to make yourselves different from all those other curated store sites?
0: Yeah, so I think there's a, there's, there's a couple things, Brad. Uh, first off, is when, from day one of starting Huckberry, we always wanted to sort of tell the story of our brand partners first. So we weren't all about putting product in your face and just, and just being pushy and product focused. We were about, let's go find really cool people that are doing really cool things and making awesome products and leading with telling that story. So I think our focus, you know, has always been story first, and let's let's sort of get behind why we love this brand or this product. Um, and so that has really developed the story first and, and content approach to commerce. That has really developed over time into a full blown, um, you know, journal blog that that gets you know great traffic and is sort of something that really separates us from most other other. Um, you know, commerce sites out there. So there is, um, you know, that's a, um, you know, a definitely a a big part of it.
2: And, and, you know, I I think a a few other ways we sort of, you know, differentiate ourselves early on. I I think, um, I I think as time has gone on, like we've definitely found our voice even more. I think we've got like more dialed in on like what exactly our edit is, what, what, what's like a Huckberry brand. What's the Huckberry way of saying that, um, And, you know, again, it all kind of comes back to storytelling and and, you know, really just trying to be a signal in in sort of a market where there's a lot of noise. So, uh, you know, a lot of these other, uh, you know, shopping sites, uh, whether it's members only or even just retail, you know, a lot of these retailers, um, they sort of lead with like the the best deal so they'll call up a brand and they'll say hey like what can I buy for 70% off wholesale and they're like oh well you know have some stuff from 2011 I couldn't move that I could sell you you know for pennies on the dollar and w- our mentality is like hey let's go find the coolest brands and then let's bring our readers like the absolute like best selection from the coolest brand and then, you know, we don't need to buy it 70% off wholesale because we want, like, we basically have two customers. We want uh, our brands to come back to us and give us exclusive product and exclusive releases and, and collaborate. and uh, and then But we also want our customers to kind of get a great deal. So that's why when you're on Huckberry, you know, it's typically 10% off, 15% off. But, uh, you know, it's the best price on the Internet. And, um, and uh, you know, it, we, we would argue it's sort of the best, you know, product selection.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Uh that's kind of what sold me on it. Eventually that's, you know, I can tell the story. It's kind of funny. So like when you guys approached me back in, I guess, 2011, uh, about, Hey, do you want to be an affiliate and, you know, help, you know, work with us? I was like, I was getting inundated with like emails from people who were like, Hey, I got this membership deal site. And I was just like, my default answer became no. And so I I told you guys, no, like, yeah, uh, to do an
0: ax giveaway with you actually.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, but you guys were persistent and, uh, you, you, finally, uh, got me on the phone and like you, you, you like were able to tell me like this, is what, this is your vision, like what you wanted to do. Um, that was like, it's like sort of like outdoor stuff for like the guy who lives in the suburbs of the cities. Um, and you know, telling stories about how you can use this stuff to like go live a life of adventure and like do cool stuff. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And, uh, since then it's been, a, it's been a fantastic partnership.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it certainly has, Brett. Um, and I, I, Andy, and I remember the day very specifically when um, you, you did a nice write-up about some of the um, the different men's shopping sites yeah. out, there, and you sort of mentioned Huckberry's, you know, head above shoulders uh, of the rest. And uh, that, was, that was definitely a big day for us to have your your endorsement. Um, you know, one thing that we've really tried to do as we've grown and, and sort of figured out our our path and, and, the business life is, is, uh, like one thing you mentioned was being persistent. Um, and then two, finding people to partner with that are like, you're going to form a deep, deep partnership relation, you know, deep relationship with, um, somebody that sort of sees the world through, through, through your lens and and you, it, it just sort of makes sense. Like you would be friends outside of the, you know, the internet world. Um, and so I think, you know, you were sort of, very early on in that um, approach. And that's something that we've just really maintained throughout our, our you know, three and a half, four years of, of being in business is trying to partner with people that that just make a lot of sense and not going out there and partnering with everybody um, and trying to find, establish more meaningful, deeper partnerships.
1: Yeah, I think that's an important point to make because uh, there are a lot of young entrepreneurs who get this idea that it's sort of just the numbers game, right? Like make as many phone calls, send as many emails as, even if like the people you're contacting, like wouldn't be a good fit for you. Mm -hmm, Right. right. And, and it's just such a waste of time. And instead, yeah, if they would just focus and like actually find those people who would be, they would, they would off provide value to them and they would provide value to, they would get value from them. Uh, just be much more, much more effective
2: yeah you know brett to, to this day i mean I, I know rich and I sort of credit you with uh you know sort of our our big break in many ways and and you know are just sincerely thankful of of sort of the you know friendship and partnership that that we uh we've come up with one thing I don't know if I ever told you I remember I was on my honeymoon uh in brazil with with my wife kate um and I remember kind of uh I, I woke up in the middle of the night and was like answering uh huckberry emails and just kinda of like thinking about some of our growth plans. I remember just like writing a bunch of like partners I thought made sense. And then at the top of the list was you and I just circled it. I was like, man, we just have to make this happen. Like it's such a great, you know, just from like a value standpoint and how we look at the world, it's just such a great partnership and and that's probably why you got, you know, seven emails the next week. Um and I've sort of caveat that by saying that I'm I'm kidding and and yeah. please don't send Brett seven yeah. emails. That's not the way to do it. But yeah. Um, well, that was, uh, that was sort of the start of it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's been a fantastic partnership and I've just, I've loved working with you guys. And like, like Richard said, it's like, we're friends outside of, like outside of the internet, right? Yeah. (laughs) Which is awesome. I was going to tell you guys, uh, speaking of like how big you've gotten, I saw a Huckberry uh, Adventure Cap in the wild in Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma.
2: Oh, no Uh, way. Yeah. I went
1: to go get donuts with my kid and there's this guy sitting outside eating donuts, uh, He's like a student here in Tulsa, and he's wearing the Huckberry hat. And I was like, hey, nice hat. And he was like, And he, he recognized me from the website. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. Oh, wow. It was cool, though, was to see a Huckberry hat in Tulsa, Oklahoma.
0: Yeah. Brett, I have a similar story for real, for you real quick. Um, so you're obviously familiar with Go Rock. You've done a yeah. couple of challenges. Uh, we, we, we host this sort of annual or semi-annual party with them called War Stories and Beer, where they, you know, they come to our offices, and we clear everything out, and, and they have – you know, some of the Go um, uh, what are they called? Uh, Cadres. Cadres and they give up, they go up there and they talk about experiences from their time at war and coming back to, to Huckberry or coming back to, um, you know, the United States and readjusting and everything. It's just a, it's a great night and you know, you're raising money for the wounded warriors and et cetera, et cetera. And, um, so we hosted one of those about three months ago. And this guy comes up to Andy and I, and he goes, oh, are you, are you Andy and Richard? And we start talking to him. And it turns out he was turned on to Huckberry through you way back in the day, two or three years ago. Um, through Huckberry, he learned about GORUCK and has since done you know, five or six challenges with them. And he flew out from Washington, D.C., to come out to the GoRuck War stories at the Huckberry offices. that's,
1: that's awesome. So it was just
0: like a total, you know, just one of those one of those great great evenings to and he, to hear that story.
1: That's all. And I want to talk more about some of that stuff that you guys are doing, going beyond just retail and telling stories, um, because you guys are doing more than that. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but let's get to this first. So uh, you guys are in this position now where you're tastemakers, right? Brands. It used to be that you'd have to like go to the the retail. Um, what are the Conventions or whatever those things are called. Conventions, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and try to like, hey, you know, pitch your business to them. But now companies are coming to you, right? And a few years ago, it seemed like there was really a dearth of quality, like products for men. Um, but these days, every time I turn around, I see some new startup that's turning out leather bags or journal covers or a canvas docket or like stuff made from wood or manly soap or what I mean you guys know, it. you guys have seen this stuff. Do you think the the market for these kind of products is it saturated? And if there's a guy out there who's like, I want to start some sort of male lifestyle product. Um, what advice would you give that guy who's thinking about starting a business in that that niche?
2: Yeah, so you know, Brett, I think uh, you know specifically, you know, I'll, I'll sort of start with with leather because we, it seems like we see more leather products than than anything else. Um, you know, the, the the thing about leather is that uh, it's really easy to you know create create a uh, you know let's say a wallet business, you know, design a really nice. Uh, you know, a a good looking wallet, use the right leather, Um, you know, maybe you contract out the work, maybe you do do it yourself, Uh, put it on the internet, post some pretty pictures and and, and sell a few thousand. The the problem is, you know, that can almost be sort of a false indicator because, um, you know, it's easy to create a leather business where you can sell a few thousand. It's really tough to build like, you know, a million dollar, Uh, a year, you know, leather business, or or maybe it's $500,000 a year, but, and that's because the market is so saturated that, um, you know, there's this, there's this real desire and hunger for, for great leather products, but, um, you know, building sort of a a sustainable business outside of just kind of a, you know, a pet project um, can be really tough. And I think, you know, a lot of guys have maybe, you know, started selling stuff on Etsy and, and, you know, and then kind of jumped in and found that, uh, you know, it wasn't sort of the market wasn't as, uh, you know, robust or as supportive of, the, of their vision as as they thought. So that's just sort of one thing to, to keep an eye on. I, I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to, like, viewpoint. You know, there, there's... Just, just uh, you know, my my first boss said, you know, having having a view a viewpoint and uh, like a distinct viewpoint is worth twenty IQ points, and it, it's something that I think we sort of ingrained here at Huckberry. Like with with a brand, um, you know, when, when we're sort of assessing a brand, it's like it's a crowded market. Why this brand above you know above anything else? Um, is it uh, you know is it great value? Is it uh, you know is is there sort of a craftsmanship story? Uh, you know, how authentic is sort of the brand? Um, and so, you know, the, the the storytelling component of it, which is the thing that we focus on and which is really what gets these brands in the door, is, is the most important thing. So if you don't have a viewpoint and you're just doing something because you don't want to, you know, you, you don't like your nine to five job and you're just looking for an out, I think that can be like a pretty scary, you know, path to
1: go down. Hmm. Okay. I mean, but I mean, what about I mean, guys who like, I mean, with the leather thing, there's people who I think are really trying to start a brand. Yeah. Right. They, 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 they try to like, they come up with a story right about, you know, they, they talk about sort of the, the catchwords like American craftsmanship mm-hmm. made in USA. Um, you know, like the, sort of those buzzwords that are really artisanal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, there's a story there, but like, how do you, I mean, it's, how do you, if stories are, are, are what's really important in, in commerce today, uh, how do you come up with a, uh, I guess a story that sets you apart?
0: It's definitely a lot trickier now than it was three four or five years ago um, you know th- things that we look for when we're evaluating inbounds is going to be what did that person do before um, they went to leather like is there is there a story of why they got into it or were they working sort of around the peripherals of leather or in craftsmanship like like why did they get involved was it just because they didn't like their nine to five and they and they want to quit or is it a sort of a family tradition that's been passed down through through the through the generations or is it um you know you grew up on a horse ranch and you you know worked with leather your whole life right so trying to find like what's the real story behind somebody doing some something or is it just I want to start a business. This is trendy right now. I'm going to get into American made leather products. Yeah. So that, that's definitely it. Like, do you, have, do you really have an angle or do you have something that like, makes you really want to be doing it? Not just because it's the trendy thing. So that's definitely something like follow your passion in whatever you do. And if you're not passionate about what you do, you're not going to be successful. Uh, and that's one of the core things about Huckberry. Like, we started Huckberry for us because we didn't think there was something out there that was speaking to us. Um, and, and so, yeah, make sure you're passionate about what you do because, um, it is a pain in the butt at times. It's wonderful at times. Um, but it's something that you have to really love to be able to, 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 to be successful at.
1: All right. Um, so I'm sure. So yeah. Okay. You guys see a lot of like upstart businesses, uh, some last, um, most of them don't, uh, what are the successful entrepreneurs doing that the not so successful ones are not doing? They they
2: keep going. I mean, you you, you can start with that. Um, you know, just just keep going, keep the feet moving. Um, you know, and I think it's sort of a combination of things. I think one, you know, the successful ones are playing the long game. Um, you know, like like we're a e-commerce retailer, but I think the secret sauce of, of the Huckberry brand is built on personal relationships. Uh, going to these trade shows getting out in the community you know having face-to-face developing you know relationships um, so so even though you know the customer has like sees a experience online that's um, you know feels digital um, there's so much humanness behind it and I think um, you know that's been sort of one thing that uh, has done wonders for us and I think for a lot of these brands that you know, like if you're a leather brand and, and, and you're, you know, super passionate about what you're doing and, uh, you know, you're out there kind of forging industry relationships, I, I, I think that really goes a long way. So um, I think some of the unsuccessful ones sort of discount that and, you know, they sort of send those impersonal blast emails, you know, dear, you know, dear Mr. In, Art Manliness, yeah. um, didn't even take the time to look up your name. You know, I started a leather company, you know, here's the price. Like, you know, let's do a giveaway. And, you know, and, and they probably got your name wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, they always and,
1: get my name wrong. Brent, or like, they yeah. call them sort of,
2: Brad yeah. or whatever. And, and and so it's really, it's it's the sniff test, you know? It's like, are these guys playing the long game? Um, and and so, you know, Rich kind of alluded to this earlier, but it really is like, are they just kind of, do you, you get the sense that they're doing things the right way and that they're really in it for... You know they aren't trying this out for three months, but they're 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 in it because they think they're going to be doing this five years from now, um, and I think those who have that sort of long term vision, uh, it sort of you know trickles down to the decisions they make each day, uh, and, and sort of how they build the brand, how they how they go about selling their product, um, and and so that's yeah, gonna, uh,
0: kinda... Brett just just to hop in here real quick for for, for me and I, I know Andy shares this as well. It's you have to be a doer. Um, it's all, it's all about action when you're starting a company and just and getting things going and trying and learning by mistakes and you can't overthink things. You can't make the best product out there. You have to really start doing. And so we look for someone that's got a, a lot of initiative and that's really just get, like, is so hungry to get going. You have to hold them back, really. And, 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 that, and that sense of, of doing is really, really important, especially at an early stage startup.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point to make because I feel like a lot of people have this idea that I have to have the perfect business plan before I can get started and I have to like know like everything about whatever it is I'm doing to, you know, before I actually get started on something. But the thing is like the way you really learn how to run a business uh is just getting your hands dirty. Like that's. Yeah. And I yeah, I've seen some like like in my um area where you know, people want to like always get it. I'm always getting asked questions about, like how do I start a successful blog and like they want to sit down and like they have all these questions and they just ne- they never get started though it's just like I'm just telling you you just, just got to get started just yeah. get something out there
2: Brett, you know um my my sort of favorite or I should say one of my favorite uh quotes on entrepreneurship was was actually by Mike Tyson and he said everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face <laughs> Right, and, and I think that that's sort of that that's a, that's a great way to look at it. Every, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, and, and you just you have to get out there and and you know see whether you know you can you know stand up on your own you know two feet and, and take those hits.
1: Awesome, I love. It. I'm glad we got some Mike Tyson wisdom in here.
2: Yeah, because um, there, there's, there's not much of it.
1: No. <laughs> all right, so I think a lot of people might look at you two and think that you guys have like the ultimate dream job. I mean, I'm sure they just imagine like all you're doing is going out into the redwoods, or you know, it's nearby and camping and yeah. testing out cool gear and writing blog posts about it. Uh, what's your job really like? Is it as dreamy as folks imagine? Um, no, not at all. <laughs> It's one of those
0: things where there are moments where I, where I think to myself, like, "Wow, I can't believe this is my job. This is awesome," but for every one of those, there's five of you know this massive headache, or you're up all night, you know, five nights in a row trying to figure out a problem. Um, you know, running a business is, is definitely learning how to put out fires. And whatever comes at you, you have to find a solution. So it, it, it's one of those things like you, you, you can't even imagine how many fires there are in the world until you start running a business. <laughs> yeah. And, and,
2: you know, the, the other thing is like we work really, really hard. I think, um, you know, that's probably something that, you know, maybe from the outside, People don't appreciate it as much, but everyone here works really, really hard. I think you know part of that is is we're bootstrapped and 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 uh, you know we make every penny count. And and I think uh, there is a bit of self selection in that you know we're hard workers, so we bring in hard workers who have great attitude and and sort of great fits with the Huckberry culture and kind of take our our, our brand forward.
0: But um, you that, know that said, we also make sure to, to play at times. And oh yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, an environment where you know you're encouraged to take take a half day on Friday so you can get up and beat the traffic in the mountains and, and that sort of thing. So it, it's definitely a balance, but we, but we we work hard though, that's for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I think a lot of, uh, particularly young people, I mean, they have this dream of starting like a lifestyle business, right? Kind of like what you guys do. And they imagine, oh, if I start this, then I'm my own boss and I'll be able to like just drop whenever, whenever I'm doing and it'll be amazing, right? But I they don't, they don't think about the logistics, right, that you get into once you get bigger, problems get bigger. And they grow exponentially. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, it's, you don't think about, I think a lot of people, they don't think about that part when they go into starting a business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mo-, mo' money, mo' problems. Mo' money, mo' problems. All right. Uh, so let's talk about, uh, Huckberry's future. Um, so you, you mentioned, you mentioned a little bit about how you do these sort of meetups, right? You do the GORUCK, uh, war stories and beer. Uh, you did the, uh, Huckberry holiday home last year. So it seems like your guys are trying to actually get people, uh, physically together. It's not just online. Uh, Is that sort of like the future of Huckberry where you want to get people together, uh, in front of each other?
2: Yeah. you, You know, again, kind of circling the wagon back to, to the mission statement of, of inspiring, more active, adventurous and stylish lives. Like, you know, right now we do that through commerce and we do, you know, we do that through content. Um, but I I think going forward, you know, we want to do that both in commerce and content better, but, but also we want to do it through, you know, in-person experiences and events. And, and, you know, I I think the, the thing we're trying to do with Huckberry is really build, build a community of, of, you know, like-minded brands and people, uh, and, and blogs and, and you know, create cool experiences that don't kind of currently exist in the world, and, and put all those people together. Um, so, Brett, I know you know we, we've talked a lot about you know doing the Huckberry Holiday Home, and and you know doing Huckberry on the Road, uh, or or you know an Art of Manliness and Huckberry event, and and just you know kind of putting our heads together and, and sort of creating uh, you know a cool AOM and, and HB experience.
1: Yeah, I would. I think that'd be awesome if we could do that. But right now, you guys are doing that, like Huckberry on the road, right? With the van. Yeah. what's going on with that?
2: Yeah, so we uh, we threw a party with Topo Designs in Denver uh, this past Thursday. So j- just got back from that um, awesome, awesome event. So, so the genesis of Huckberry on the road is, um, you know, we, we have all these great relationships with brands all across the country. Uh, you know, really cool factories behind these brands. A lot of these brands make their products in the U S and we sort of wanted a conduit to kind of tell their stories, um, you know, in, uh, in person either through video or through through pictures or, or, or through uh, local meetups. And so uh, our good friend, John Gaffney, who, uh, you know, in the past has written for valet and gear patrol and a few other publications, um, told us of his dream to kind of quit his nine to five job and, and, uh, you know, travel the world and sort of document or travel the U.S. I should say, and document a lot of these guys and sort of dovetailed exactly with what we were trying to do. So, uh, we sponsored him to do it. And sort of the, the, um, you know, official uh, tagline is, uh, you know, exploring America and documenting its, uh, makers, bakers, movers and shakers. (laughs) Um, it's sort of the, the fun tagline we came up with. And so through our first event in Denver, had a great time, met a lot of uh, AOM readers there, which was just awesome. Again, kind of like what Richard was saying with the GoRec event, just just so fun. And, and, you know, it's amazing to see the impact that, you know, you're having out there. And and, and it's just awesome when sort of our two worlds collide. And um, and so, uh, you know, the, the punchline is uh, Huckberry on the Road is coming to Many more cities. Um, I think Portland is one of the next events we have coming up, and and hopefully, you know, maybe Tulsa, man. That would be awesome.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely about sort of you know encouraging sort of the, the experiential side of Huckberry. So lots of meetups and happy hours and um, and hikes and all those kind of things. So it's it's really about you know telling the story of our brand partners and what they're doing, and then also meeting meeting the Huckberryans out there and trying to do some cool stuff with them while while we're on the road.
1: Very cool. Well, Andy and Rich, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, Thanks so much for your time.
0: Thank you, Brad. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Have a uh, a great long weekend.
1: You too. Our guests today were Andy Forch and Richard Greiner. They are the co-founders of Huckberry. And you can find out more about Huckberry by going to Huckberry.com. And if you haven't signed up for the newsletter yet, if you use the URL aom.is slash Huckberry, that's aom.is slash Huckberry, You'll get a $5 credit on your first purchase with Huckberry. And yes, full transparency. That is an affiliate link. So I'll make a small percentage of the sales on that, which will help support the podcast and everything else that goes with the podcast. So I'd really appreciate that. And you get $5 credit, which is great. Um, So yeah, it's Huckberry.com. That wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy this podcast and you feel like you've gotten something out of it, I'd really appreciate it if you go to iTunes or Stitcher or whatever it is you use to listen to your podcast and give us a rating. That would help us out a lot. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly.